While this podcast contains little to no explicit material, it is sprinkled with some uncensored swears. Listener discretion is advised. In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told us of his life In the land of submarines So we said All that, all that good submarine noise stuff. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, and welcome aboard. Welcome aboard the SS Pepperland. I know that's not what the ship was called, but still. The Omniplex is open, and we're doing Yellow Submarine today. Yes. Yes, please. It's a hell of a movie. It's, um... Yeah. Welcome to the Beatles Deep Dive, full pun intended. Like, I don't even know how to begin this because there's there's just so many angles to attack this from. Let's start off by what is it? Yeah, so Yellow Submarine is a 1968, that's right? Yep. Yeah, film, I won't say by the Beatles... It's like, I actually don't know anything about its creation other than the Beatles are only didn't do the voices. Uh, the same company, I think, went on to do an ABC cartoon. I, it was, I don't know which came first. I think it was the cartoon. First. Yeah, yeah, the cartoon came first. And this okay. was when the Beatles were approached to do an animated film. They did not want it to be the cartoon. Interesting. Oh, God, it was not. <laughs> so they didn't they didn't want it to be of the cartoon correct it but not like a full length uh the movie of the cartoon if you will right they just wanted it to be its own separate thing open to being animated correct this was also to fulfill okay. a contract with united artists uh, i see mm-hmm. that makes uh, sense they didn't want to do a third live action movie so this was the workaround well, a, a third uh, theatrical movie, because yeah. right. right before this, we had uh, the television special for a magical mystery tour. Looking forward to covering that one at some point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course, but... there were the famous examples, uh, uh, Hard Day's Night and Help. Correct. They were not very happy with Help, from what I understand. Yeah, no, they were... Um reportedly high during most of the experience and it shows yeah hard days night is masterpiece oh hard days night is great i did enjoy help back in the day more than i did hard days night but that's just that's just because it appealed to my uh silly sensibilities having grown up with like monty python and you know the like but Mm -hmm. as an adult i appreciate hard days night more that's the one i own on uh, on uh, the Blu-ray, but yes, yes, submarine things I do know about it. Uh, George Martin, the producer, uh, did the soundtrack to it, or the um, I should say the score. Yeah, some some of the score, at least 
what's on the initial uh, soundtrack release. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did do four original songs for it. Mm-hmm. One of which I believe was cut from the original theatrical, but was restored for the DVD release. It's a little more complicated than that, but we'll get there when we get there. Okay. But yeah, these are the things I know about the movie. And it's weird. Let's just... Oh, it's it's weird as shit. One thing we do have to stress, it did not do well at all at the box office. Mm. Um, Didn't make a million dollars. And even in the 60s, that was bad. Yeah. Um didn't uh internationally it didn't even do three hundred thousand dollars ouch yeah ouch 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 and this was at a point where a hit movie was expected to do 50 million so this was really not to mention like the production timeline for it was four times faster or so than most traditionally animated films at the time Mm. a lot of rotoscoping yeah, and this mm-hmm. was on a budget of reportedly 250,000 pounds. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that would have been, in today dollars, uh, a movie making 2 million at the box office. 2.3 million. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things. The people that saw this movie, it's kind of like the what was said about the Velvet Underground film. Everyone that saw it went on to then go and get into animation. This was such an influential film for animators. Mm-hmm. Big time. So let's, I would say let's get into the plot, but boy, there's not much to talk about there. No. No, not not particularly. No, it's just Pepperland is under attack. What is Pepperland? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's about it for that. The captain of the uh, submarine? must find heroes and uh he thinks the beatles the actual beatles will do the trick yes so uh he goes to find them in their crazy mansion and then most of the movie is the journey back they find uh a boob yes a character named boob they get to pepperland and play music to save the day fighting the blue meanies that's it yeah Yeah, that's pretty much it that's all there's no real explanation. I offered Tab the chance to watch this with me, like just in case. And uh, I said, well, I don't think you would like it because uh, she is not a big fan of Alice in Wonderland. And uh, watching it on my computer, I'm just like, uh, this is this is too much like Alice in Wonderland for you. <laughs> I know I tried getting Nathan to sit down and watch it with me, but he just kind of said it was too weird, even though he mm-hmm. watched Fantastic Planet with me. And that's considerably stranger, but... <laughs> really, I'll tell you what this movie reminds me of. It's, it's the Beatles Fantasia. Yeah, that's a yeah. good way to describe it. It's yeah. a lot of excuses to see their music, but to animation, and to just appreciate the incredible artistry on display. That's kind of what it is, really. Yeah. You can tell it had a bit of a budget to it, like as far as uh, like 60s animated things go. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of rotoscoping. Yeah, that, that's all I have to say about the animation. <laughs> it's it's not very It's not very fluid. It's very no. static. 
gets a lot of still shots later, but it's a very effective device here. Um, budgetary limitations wind up really making the film shine because you just kind of get tapped into it. You kind of get stuck in this experience and you let it wash over you. And the limited animation, I think, works. Pretty much, yeah. I think if they had a good, you know, a good point you tie it into there is, uh, I think if it had any more plot to it, it would not work. It would no. not hold up. No. No. What is Pepperland? It's whatever. It's Utopia. <laughs> it's Utopia, pretty much. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. Blue meanies are just the bad mean. guys. They're mean. they're mean. They're blue and they're mean. And they throw apples on people. I, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to get too much into the, oh, well, this must be amazing high, but God, this movie oh. must be incredible high. I mean, I'm sure. I watched it stone sober and uh, it was tripped in and of itself. Also, funny enough, uh, the only way I could find to watch this legally was uh, from Apple. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Well, and, and yes, I did watch it. I did watch it legally. I uh, <laughs> I ended up upgrading my copy from DVD to Blu-ray not too long ago. And that came with right. a few uh, lovely low features like some... Uh, cells and things like that so oh that's really nice yeah yeah so if you're looking to get something get the blu-ray for it but yeah how did we come across yellow submarine e each of us i watched it for the cast <laughs> so this was your very first yes. time yeah oh was, wow yeah yes it was uh for me huge beatles fan introduced to the beatles by my dad and uh my dad did not do the deep dive into the Beatles that I did. Like, um, like I haven't seen everything. Like I've not seen magical mystery tour. You know, of course I haven't seen let it be because not many people have, mm -hmm. you know, at this point in time. And, uh, and also I get <laughs> for that one, but anyway, and I believe, my library, my local library, had a copy of it. So about a mm, decade or so ago, maybe like 14 years, or at least when it came out on DVD, I found a copy and watched it and went, hmm, I've experienced that now. <laughs> and uh, when the soundtrack was remastered for like in the big remastering of 2009, I dug that. And uh, I especially love the track Hey Bulldog. Yes, it's one of my absolute favorite Beatles That's songs. Phenomenal. Yeah, and when it was when it was released with that, I went, "Ah, oh, where have you been?" For me, I I remember seeing it. Well, not like actually sitting down watching the movie, but knowing the cover of it when it was re-released in the late '90s. But I didn't get around to actually sitting down and watching it until like 2012 or so when they put it out on DVD and Blu-ray. And at that time, I was still very fresh in, in college uh, doing uh, animation major. And at, at the time, I'm like, wow, this is so trippy. Nothing could ever top this. Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to go back in time and just kind of like 
slap myself <laughs> a little bit like you have no idea how deep this iceberg goes <laughs> this is the gateway drug pretty much <laughs> pretty much and this like is the starter set yeah <laughs> and i've shown it off and on to a couple of people just like not necessarily those who are like the massive beatles fans but just kind of those who are like hey i know you like animation let let's do something a little bit different this time and mm-hmm. we just sit down watch it let it wash over us and yeah yeah it's a good one for that it's such a hard film to talk about because you nailed the wash over thing that's mm-hmm. the thing it's it really is an experience it's something that you take in and it's it's pure sight it's pure sound i mean it's one of those things I get why this is such a flashpoint for so many animators. That so many animators looked at this and said, I want to do that. Because it is such a strange entity. And to have such a mainstream group as the Beatles attached to it is fascinating. It is. As well as, like, at at the time the film was released, you had Disney... uh, slowly getting into the dark age a little bit because Walt had died not too long ago. Really, there wasn't that many animated films out there other than whatever Disney and maybe Warner Brothers would offer. And so with this being a massive deviation from those styles, it's no wonder people kind of saw it as the outlier that it is. And why it's respected as much. Well, it's just one of the things that was going through my mind as I was watching this is, who is this for? And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I mean that in the sense that in 1968, this had to feel radical. This had to feel like something out of blue for the mainstream, because when what you think of as animation is, hey there, it's Yogi Bear, you <laughs> know, and that's your non-Disney frame of reference, this is a million miles from that. This is this is truly experimental stuff next to that. And in terms of the mainstream, this is really experimental. Absolutely. And going from uh, what research I've able to to gather, it this film was more or less described as having something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And this was by and large an all ages film. Absolutely. Like, I I do remember it being kind of pushed for children back in the initial home media, the the 90s free release anyway. And then once COVID happened and people were looking for ways to entertain themselves, the Beatles YouTube channel actually had a, actually streamed a sing-along version of the film for a limited time. Awesome. Hmm. So, it yeah, it's very much for all all ages, I would say, because yeah. on on the one hand, for for the younger set, you have you know the the bright colors and and the songs, and then for the Beatles people, it, well, the Beatles, yeah, and then mm-hmm. for the animation uh, aficionados, you have all of the different techniques that are shown in there. Oh God, yeah. Because, like, it's not just the rotoscoping. Like, 
like the difference between Eleanor Rigby and it's only a Northern song, like putting them back to back, they are two completely different creatures. And yet both of them are able to hold on their own as, as a segment, just, just because of the techniques used. Cause like you would like some of this stuff would go on to inspire uh, various segments from uh, Sesame Street and the Electric Company, and then I can definitely see it. And then, like, have enough of an influence for uh, Schoolhouse Rock. So, like, the late '60s, early '70s animation would definitely use this as as a springboard. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and we really haven't seen that since. No, not at all. Mm-mm. Because, like, looking at, well, obviously the Sesame Street of then compared to today is, are, again, vastly different creatures. But seeing the segments for each of those eras, it it makes me, it, I, how do I say it? I, I do miss the traditional animation aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's all become so very uh, CGI-based. Mm-hmm. CGI with very matte colors, very low texture, everything's bright. And to an extent, Pepperland was bright, but it also had variety to it. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot there. And again, it's just stuff that only makes sense in uh, its own little world. Yeah. And uh, you just, again, yeah, the wash over you aspect, you just kind of have to not ask too many questions and just go, well, okay. I think that's why the way dialogue is handled is so effective. Because it's there, there's jokes, but it's all kind of to keep it low. Oh, Um, yeah. I mean, the the voice acting is best described as Salmonex inspired. (laughs) Yeah. The humor itself is definitely there, both with Beatles and Beatles references to other works, as well as just doing silly puns, like very grown worthy puns. Like when they go and try and find George Harrison, it's like, oh, mm. oh, yeah, it is that day. What day is it? Sitar day. And then it and then it just cuts to Harrison's room. And it's like, oh, but I will say I needed the subtitles on when watching this. Not not just so that I could process what's being said, but you can't really understand what they're saying unless you have the subtitles on. No, not at all. It, yeah. It's Liverpool accents, you know. Oh, yeah. Very much Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the real Beatles, so who knows? <laughs> <laughs> at one point oh. they have a line in there about yeah we're the originals and it's like no you're not you're not <laughs> yeah that pretty much sums up my feelings about that I kind of wish they had voiced themselves but uh, that's I'm, okay <laughs> I mean we do get them at the very very end and just... we do just sort of a quick pop in like hey what's the matter John Love? Blue Meanies? Newer and bluer meanies have been sighted within the vicinity of this theater. I heartily endorse this event or product. <laughs> Funnily enough, do y'all know what happened the day after they uh, shot this uh, their, their cameo? No. Because it's a very important moment in Beale's history. They went to India. 
They literally oh, shot this yeah. just before the ending is true. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> the famous scene portrayed in Walk Hard. Yeah, Dewey Cox, yes. Which is so goddamn brilliant. <laughs> but yes, the moment that would change their careers and lives forever. Like George Harrison had done some Indian style music and practically uh used the sitar for the soundtrack for the blow up knockoff Wonderwall from nineteen sixty eight. True. So it was just more of the Beatles the rest the rest of the Fab Four going yeah. in and vibing. <laughs> I mean I keep talking about this as oh well you need to let wash over you. I, I can't stress enough this is a good thing. I I had an absolute yeah. blast watching this This is such a fun film to watch. Um mm-hmm. what they do with Eleanor Rigby, which is one of my favorite Beatles songs. Um, mm-hmm. Also the one that I thought would least pop up in this one. Yeah. To the point where I'd seen it before and completely forgot it was there. I went, it's, oh. <laughs> but it's effective, and it's such a great tone sequence. It really is. It's it's a lot of proto-music, but this is really what changed my mind as I was watching this. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, even where, where um, All You Need Is Love is practically the Beatles' own lyric video mm-hmm. with the uh, kinetic typography. Which mm-hmm. is so exciting to watch. Um, I mean, I'd say the soundtrack to this movie is phenomenal, but do we need to really say that? I mean, it's 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 the Beatles, though. What, well, the... <laughs> there are two soundtracks, actually. There are. Yes, yes. there is the original one for the... Uh, theatrical release and then the yellow submarine song track where it's songs from the film rearranged and then thrown in with a bunch of other Beatles songs and Mm -hmm. most of the uh, George Martin score is tossed out entirely it's all gone yeah, and then they, I think for the remasters, they did release the uh, the score finally. Yes. Yeah, and that that one also has uh, the only songs on that one are the ones that are written specifically for the film. Correct. Correct. So that's yeah. what I'm referring to. To be clear, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it occurs to me you made a comment that you did a deeper dive than your dad did into. Yeah, I think that's something that's become very common in second generation Beatles fans. Is I I feel like they were a band that the next generation really took and went, oh my god, this is amazing, and they went deep. They went into the really obscure stuff because uh, my sister's a huge fan, and I just I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, I had a conversation with my dad, who's probably listening. Hey. Uh, and he said, uh, yeah, he's, he's avoided that one at all costs just because he just was not interested in it. But has he seen Magical Mystery Tour? That's the question. No. (laughs) Knows it exists. Also, same category. Okay, then. Loves the, uh, uh, loves the two live action films, though. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, my favorite a segment out of all of this would be Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Oh, that is absolutely... You could just watch that on a loop and find something new in it. 
never because, shot. Because, yes, it's rotoscoped animation, but it's also animation that is heavily vibrant and also gets very loose with how colors stay in the lines. And, again, it's just not really something you've seen a lot of since. Like... Like the shot where the man and the girl dancing and the man swings the the girl over so that you see the underside of her dress and the colors just absolutely have a freak out. It's like that that's some beautiful shit right there. And it is. and like John Lennon morphing into Fred Astaire. God, that's beautiful. If, if I was to say that I had a favorite besides Ellen Rigby, Nowhere Man was just an absolute blast to watch. Yeah. Uh, probably partially because I really love that song anyway. But again, it, it's just such a fun sequence. Mm-hmm. It's one they actually do pretty smoothly work into plots. Yeah. Yeah, because at that point, they the motor breaks down and they stumble across this, this brown furry creature with a mask named... Jeremy Hillary Boog, PhD. Yes. The overall characterization of the pseudo-intellectualism going on at the time, and still kind of now, but just having him so engrossed in knowledge that he doesn't really know what's going on. So they just kind of show him their motor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which they were uh, hesitant to do. Oh, yeah. But I will, I will also say that this had better song integration into plot than uh, across the universe with any of their songs. Yeah, this this was really smoothly done. Just to dig at that movie, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that, and a lot better than yesterday. We're not talking. About <laughs> Still haven't seen it, but yeah. Still want to know what the hell happened. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, there are some. There's something that I, someone pointed out, and I thought this was really pointed. Is you know when they do the when I'm 64 number, uh, they go to 2009. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yes, and that stabs you in the heart because you realize the two of the members of the band weren't going to make it to 2009. Yeah, this is true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we got we still got at least two left. I think. God, um, Paul went on Twitter today to talk about uh, Charlie Watts passing. Yeah, yeah, for uh, that dates this recording, or that I should say that pins a date on this recording. Uh, the uh, drummer for Rolling Stone passed today. Yes, and the film does do a subtle nod to the Rolling Stones as well. They- do this is true yes it's they're two seemingly unrelated bands that essentially grew up together pretty much if that's a way to put it they recorded in the same studio and swapped songs yeah but yeah paul is very much still around ringo is still you know peace and love still looking absolutely fan-fucking-tastic for his (laughs) age Yes, that he dude is. has got eternal youth. Uh, peace and love, peace and love. Peace and love, peace and love. They took the time to write me, and I don't care if it takes me another 20 years. I'm going to answer every one of them. 
I'm warning you with peace and love, but I have too much to do. So no more fan mail. Thank you, thank you. And no objects to be signed. Nothing. Uh, anyway, peace and love, peace and love. Sorry. No, it's, <laughs> just, it's it's a fine reference and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut that in back to back. <laughs> like when I showed this to one of my friends, she pointed out how much the film like the band kind of shits on Ringo. <laughs> just because he's the one that causes most of the trouble for the band and ends up leave getting ejected from the submarine and it's like yeah. <laughs> you have you seen the college humor I think it's called humor thing where um they sing a song all about how Ringo wants his creative input in the band and it's stuff like uh Octopus's Garden and uh and like the the rest of the band just rolls their eyes and like, oh, I let him have it. I I have not. Oh man, need to post a link with that. But yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bless that man. <laughs> He's yes. still going strong. It has to be pointed out, by the way, that in percussionist communities, Ringo mm. is hailed as like a god. Yes. Oh yeah, uh, widely, widely considered one of the greatest of all time. Uh, and if you ever listened to just like isolation of just his drum tracks, mm-hmm. you will hear some stuff that you don't even notice it when you hear it on the songs like "Ticket to Ride." Um, John Lennon famously said that Paul McCartney had as much to do with that song as Ringo, as an insult. But you hear what Ringo's doing on it, and it's insane. Like he's oh, yeah. doing some technically complicated stuff that is just incredible. He uh, famously was not a big fan of like solos. Uh, like his one attempt at solo is just the very, very rhythmic, you know, the on um, the end. Oh, yes. Yeah. But, you know, keeping that in mind, it's because he's very, very tight. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I could see why he doesn't like doing them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just inhumanly tight, really, because stuff is just great. Like, I was listening to some of the uh, demos from the anthology albums, and what he does on Strawberry Fields Forever at, like, towards the end of one of the takes is just absolutely jaw-dropping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, was a, he was a technician on a scale that you just can't even battle mm-hmm. absolutely and you know maybe that's maybe that's the thing that i can say the most about this movie is it's a chance to let you just sit back and go yeah the beatles really were that good mm-hmm. yeah just just mostly to sit and listen to their music and look at pretty images and right now in this continual hellscape that we're in isn't it it's great? nice just, it's nice yeah. this made me feel good yeah yeah how about that <laughs> yay yay yeah. The dopamine, please. Yes. Give, give it to so, me. <laughs> so shall we talk about the terrible idea that we nearly got? Almost. Almost. I, I do want to bring up Hey Bulldog. Please uh, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. get that explained. Yes, please.
Okay, so Hey Bulldog was in the original theatrical release, but got cut in over okay. here in the States. Okay, so we were deprived of it. Yes, we were very much deprived of it, and it wasn't until the late 90s home release that it was put back in for the Americans, and it's still in all of the prints today. Good. Like, this was one of the very few films that I went and saw in a theater, believe it oh, or not. Wow. Damn, that must have been something. I, w I think I was the only one there or there was like one other person that showed up it was it was in the middle of the afternoon at at our art house theater and they were doing a limited screening of it i'm like fuck it i'll go and it's like yeah i own the movie but how many times can you say yeah i watched it in the theater yeah it is a different experience hey i You're... saw hobgoblins in the theater last week so <laughs> yeah um, I will say that some of the uh, animation effects hurt to look at. Mm -hmm. On a big screen? Uh, or just well, in general? And just in general, because yeah. of the uh, seizure-inducing strobes yeah, I th scattered throughout the film. And I'm just like, oh, I mm, no. Yeah, I watched it on Sunday, and I think I was kind of uh, live chatting with you guys. Yes, and, you did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And went, man, I am so glad that I do not have epilepsy right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, and you correctly guessed, did you get to only a northern song? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. It's like between that and... Uh, when they discover the sea of green that transforms yeah. into pepper land. And I'm just like, Oh yeah. God, make it stop. Even if you don't have epilepsy, it's still like, no, 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 no. And, and it's even nauseating to look at because it's a red green strobe oh, effect revolting. too. Oh, that's worse. Yeah. Isn't that the, uh, wasn't the red and green strobe. What uh, gave all those children, Watching Pokemon seizures. I, I think it was red and blue, but yeah, yeah, still. it hurts. Yeah. yeah, it does hurt to look at. Yes, but yeah, that I just wanted to get that in there before. Yeah, we, yeah, because as is Hollywood, uh, renew it, reboot it, reshoot it, redo it. You you know the song. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the. Let, let's just be blunt. Let's get into the good side effect of Disney buying Marvel and Star Wars. Yeah. Also, quick before we move on, quick shout out to uh, the drop in the the Love Remix album that they do of Hey Bulldog into. Oh shit! It's blanking on me now. Uh, I believe Drive My Car. Thursday night, your stockings needed mending. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good yes. I. Mm, yeah. It's great. <laughs> That's all I have to say on that. It's wonderful. Anyway, yes. On to the nightmare. Yes. Because we were uh, scheduled to have a, a 3D remake of this film. Like, 
not a 3D conversion of the film like they did with uh, Wizard of Oz. No, no, uh-huh. no, no, no. This was a reimagining from the ground up and using the the original film as yes. a template with motion capture. Mm, uh, I believe. That- to be helmed by Robert Rodriguez because he was Robert Zemeckis. No, 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 no. Robert Zemeckis. Thank you. Oh, God. No. Oh, God. <laughs> Very no. different filmmakers. <laughs> Holy shit. No, no, no. Yes, Robert Zemeckis because he was on a kick with that. Thank God that <laughs> kick is over. I think. Yeah. When cause... was there so much blood in a Beatles movie? <laughs> Sorry. He did kids' films too. But anyway. Yes, yeah, Robert Zemeckis Robert was going to helm this one after doing The Polar Express back in 2004 for Warner Brothers, and then... A Christmas Carol. This is Disney. Yeah, the, the Disney Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey, which, <sighs> honestly, I forget that exists, and then it's like, oh yeah, now it's the thing when we all thought motion capture was the future. As the be-all, end-all for animation. Oh, and don't forget Beowulf. Oh, yes, Beowulf. Oh, God, Beowulf. I would love to forget Beowulf, but... So much so that in 2007, at the end of Ratatouille, they had to put this film has absolutely no motion capture and it's 100% uh, hand-animated in the computer. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like, don't get me wrong, motion capture... It has its place, yeah. It's a tool. It can be used for good. Just don't rely on it as your only tool. If if you're going to do it, do it like with Tintin and yes. actually get stylized with it, actually get and, and have a point to it. And also be Steven Spielberg doesn't hurt. Yeah. And yeah. Tintin is probably, at least the way it was done, could have only been done like that. Yeah. And it's 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 fun. That's that's a great movie. It's fun and has so many great names behind it. And we want uh, I I will speak for absolutely everybody in the world when I say we want Tintin too. But yes, this this was this was such a disastrous idea to remake this film. Um, even Robert Zemeckis, who, dear God, has that man gone all in on terrible ideas over and over again <laughs> in his career? Even like, he now says that remake the idea of remaking it was a terrible idea yeah thank god yeah because we were gonna have carrie always as george harrison and david tennant as uh the chief blue meanie i believe pierce serafinowitz was also involved yeah he was gonna be paul mccartney yeah yeah thankfully got canceled because a number of reasons. Uh, Disney wasn't too fond of what happened with the Christmas Carol, the eventual release of Mars Needs Moms, bombed. The studio responsible for motion capture, uh, Image Movers Digital, Disney shut that down in 2010 because a Christmas Carol did not perform at the box office. Gee, maybe don't do the story that you filmed 500,000 times. just an idea yeah and then zemeckis would go on to uh direct uh flight with denzel washington Mm. his own special effect yeah yeah this film uh by and large when it was announced it was just going to be a bad idea 
And this was supposed to tie in with the London Olympics in 2012. Oh. That was their planned release date to get it in around then. Um, Like between that and whatever the fuck that typography was for the 2012 Olympics. I mean, I I don't know which (laughs) one would be worse. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I prefer the uh, James Bond referencing the Queen thing. The James Bond and the Queen bit. That was a much better tie-in to the Olympics. And a much better uh, Danny Boyle entry than yesterday. Also, Skyfall is awesome. Just going to get that in there because that was the 2012 Bond movie. Yes. Yes. Yeah, this project more or less was a footnote in film history until rather recently when concept art and footage was unearthed. And I would like to uh, give a shout out to uh, Yellow Submarine D Project for giving us these glimpses into what could have been because my god is it terrifying yeah we'll we'll post it up there along with a few choice screenshots of our own it's revolting yeah uncanny valley is where this thing will live though yes very much so and i i uh i made a after shortly after you showed us this for the first time zephyr uh I sent along a uh, still a close-up of a blue meanie face with why so serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because these it's, design choices. It's evocative of that. Like, after seeing <laughs> what has been released so far, and I've been mulling it over in my head, and you know what it reminded me of? What's what? that? Do y'all remember the Nutcracker in 3D? Yes. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I've purged a lot of it from my mind, but I vaguely remember this existed. Yes. Yes. Those vibes. Okay, I have to look this up now. It's that kind of project. It's that kind of, this was a terrible idea in every single way, and every bad decision you could make, you made. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah, 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 you get what oh. I'm saying, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I see it, I see it. Yeah, because some, some of these mm. creatures are absolutely nightmare fuel. Stuff that wasn't necessarily in in the original movie. Yeah, sure, there are some existential horrors, and there are like the, like the beast that sucks itself in, into the void. <laughs> yeah and you know a bunch of dictators who hate art taking over a peaceful land i'm gonna stop looking at this because uh the further down i go uh the, the worse it gets yeah the worse it gets uh-huh okay yes. but yes yes those kind of vibes and if you haven't seen the nutcracker in 3d you haven't lived this may be a christmas episode for us <laughs> oh boy this would be a good christmas episode oh yes oh boy <laughs> yes like we're talking design overhauls whereas the meanies were initially like these blue fuzzy creatures with knockoff mickey mouse hats and and boots which yeah 
let, let's talk about that for a minute and how those ears were also intact in the mm-hmm. animatics for the cancel remake. And this was going to be a Disney project. Like, norm- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> normally, true. normally when something wearing something that's not Disney is wearing the mouse ears, it's shorthand for define, you know, define the system. But as we've seen with um, our corporate o- overlords that are Walt Disney and their eventual uh, never-ending quest to consume and own everything, uh, you know, Simpsons doesn't exactly hit the same way as it used to now that nope. it's under the Disney name. Yeah. It's, it's hard to read the story where they continually riff on the fact that Howard the Duck keeps changing from being a duck because they want to get around uh, the whole Disney thing. Knowing that Disney owns that comic now. Yes, and has repeatedly shown it in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Howard is in the MCU. Thank you, James Gunn. Thank you, Seth Green, too. Yes. I know it was um, the the ad for Disney Plus, you know, that advertised that Simpsons is going to be on it, where the various characters dress up and... Uh, Homer threatens Bart. Yeah. <laughs> like, where are the ears, boy? That was both on brand for The Simpsons and at the same time unsettling because it was coming from the House of Mouse. Yeah. And I can't shake the feeling it gave me. Just yeah. wrong. Yeah. So the fact that you have your villains wearing the mouse ears, which is now becoming all, all too poignant nowadays keeping that detail intact for the 2012 remake what are you trying to say nothing because that's what the whole movie would have said yeah 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 because like even looking at some some of the uh, production photos and concept art for this they made the blue meanies more of like this grotesque leather gang which i don't necessarily care for nah they made uh, the, I forget what the Max. specific Max. Yeah, they made Max look like a cross between Dane DeVito and Peter Sellers. Yeah, and I don't it, know how to process that. Yeah, they made uh, the boob an actual boob, which I don't know how the uh, fuck that would have gone, how that would have been approved for. I, I want to think. Like the 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 animatics for those creatures, I really want to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that those are like untextured models. But deep down, I know that those are close to what would have been the final. Yeah, and with with the way the boob is sculpted, it's literally a a it's a titty. It's yes. this it's this plump <laughs> titty with a mask on it and a leather vest. An open leather vest. <sighs> a short, fat man whose belly is fully exposed, has no pants, and um, has an Audi belly button. Yeah. Yeah. Very, also very fleshy, too. It's... Ugh. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, like, within one of the animatics here, they redo the Eleanor Rigby sequence, where instead of... Uh, setting the tone of having London and the Liverpool area be this miserable, rainy area. 
of quiet desperation, it becomes hyper literal where we actually see Eleanor Rigby and Father McKenzie and missing the point. Yeah. And also a brief sequence of the actual face in the jar by the door floating. Yeah. Nightmare fuel. Yeah. yeah. This this is just and what this is really underlining is that it's at once too conventional because you know they would have forced a really conventional plot onto the movie. You know they would have forced much more conventional dialogue. And at the same time, by being that literal, it would have just been agony to look at. It's just, it's such a misguided idea for a film. Yeah. Not to mention with uh, the animation that, that they were going for, at least the style, you would lose a lot of what made Yellow Submarine stand out. Like, how, how would you do Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds in motion capture? It would look awful. And again, there's no point to remaking it. It's already what it is. The rule is you remake broken things. You don't remake things that were perfect the first time. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like this is akin to, or at least in the same school as uh, don't remake Back to the Future. You know, don't remake this. Um, I don't have a handy list of films that need that, but there's a list. Well, like, okay, True Grit was a great example. The original movie strayed dramatically from the novel. So go in and remake it so that it's more faithful. Uh huh. Little Shop of Horrors. Took yeah. a completely different approach to the material. Made uh-huh. something unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like that might be the common denominator for what works is if it's already an adaptation, fine. Go ahead, remake it. But if it's Venturing just... Candidate was an example, because that was also based on a book. Yeah. Yes. So go at it again. I mean, both adaptations were great. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing. It's that's a case where the original movie was great, the new movie was great. Also, the new movie actually had something to say. That's the real important thing. It had a very different approach. Love the 2004 movie. But yeah, it's, I'm glad. Until you sent that promo footage or that um, that work in progress footage, I didn't know it had gotten that far. I just remember hearing that, oh, uh, Robert Zemeckis is going to make a motion capture uh, yellow submarine. It's going to have this person in it. It's going to have this person in it. And going, ah, oh, that doesn't sound good. And then never hearing of it again. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, I guess that never came to fruition. But I didn't know it got as far as it did in pre-production. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because wow. there, there's footage of the original motion capture being done. Yeah. Yes. And they have the, uh, I think the cover band, the Fab Four in there. Yes. yes. Yeah, they were the ones that did it. Yeah, doing the test footage for the uh, for them actually playing the instruments. Yeah, I'm... which that part's cool, <laughs> but otherwise, if this had gone on to be what what little we know of it now, yeah, this would have fucking scarred an entire generation. <laughs> I don't know about that because I don't know if they would have watched the damn thing. I think this would have. I think this would have tanked. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, it would have absolutely tanked, but at the same time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just kind of all that needs to be said is 
Um, and I will say, uh, shout out to the Internet Archive for uh, being the site that's hosting this. Uh, in October, yeah. I'm going to be doing a lot of linking to them because they're mm. currently hosting uh, bootlegs of the uh, Black Flame uh, New Line Horror novels right now. So, mad love to them. Nice. Yeah. And from from my understanding, the footage was originally on YouTube, but then, you know, got taken right. down. Yep, got taken yeah. down. And so, Internet Archive is now the new home, per se. And they, they're pretty good about protecting this stuff, so. Good. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely recommend watching Yellow Submarine. Highly recommend it. It's a blast. Yeah, it's a good it's a good for an afternoon. It's an hour and a half, it's brisk. Yep, very brisk. If you like the Beatles, well, vibe on it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Our next movie isn't gonna be as much fun. Uh, no, no, far from it. Far from we're, it. We're finally getting to Todd Hangs. Yes. I don't believe I've seen the movie in question. We will be covering the mid nineties film Safe. Ooh. Yeah. And uh Y'all are going to see why. It doesn't sound very safe. Oh, no. Far, <laughs> far fucking from it. Yeah, you'll you'll understand why we're covering it. Yeah. Because it hits differently now. Mm. Oh, it has Dexter in it. Yeah. You, as always, uh, we, we have been uh, Albert. Zephyr. And Austin. Austin. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm on. Whatever. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, we have been the Omniplex. You can find us uh, at theomniplex.org, as always, along with all our content. You can email us. We are at theomniplexpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash theomniplex is our page. Twitter is, of course, at theomniplex. We got all the good handles. As always, you know, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts or you know, whatever podcatcher allows you to rate, it helps us out. Leave a comment. Watch you next time. Yep. Bye, everybody. Farewell. So long. Sail the ship. 